Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. A Saturday night get-together here on CBS Sports Radio, coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you need certainty in the home buying process with a loan to fit your life, Rocket can. All right, appreciate my next guest joining me because he's a busy man this week. Uh, National baseball columnist, uh, covers everything for Baseball America. He's out in Colorado already for all the all-star and off-the-field all-star week activities. National columnist Kyle Glazer joins me. Kyle, Jody Mack here. How you doing, buddy? Doing all right, doing all right. Trying to catch up on sleep while doing all the things there are to do, but <laughs> it's a fun time of year. After not having this last year, I'm glad. I'm glad it's back. That's true, because uh, Kyle is one of the best uh, draft guys in the business. And yes, Major League Baseball, they had a draft last year, but it was pushed back, and it was cut to five rounds. It's back up to 20. It's not a full-blast draft yet, but you've been busy getting to meet some of the top young stars. Uh, What has that process been like? How did you come up with the guys? Was it availability? Was it those who wanted to do it? How did you get your uh, prospect pad together? Sure. So Baseball America, every year we host a prospect pad where basically anyone who is selected to the Futures game is welcome to stop by. They get free gear, get some free food, and sit down for interviews with us, post those interviews online. And uh, it was exciting. A lot of guys came. Julio Rodriguez stopped by. Jason Dominguez stopped by. Really, most of the guys will be in the Futures game tomorrow stop by. It's a good chance to get to know some of these guys and talk to them in kind of a a more casual environment because once they're at the game on the field, they're in work mode. This lets you kind of get to know who these prospects really are as people. That's uh, it's something that uh, everybody should check out because it does. It gives you a feel of these players. How good a group do we have for the future games this year as compared to years gone by? It's a really, really, really good group. Topping it, Abby Rutschman, the number two prospect in baseball on the BA Top 100, followed by Julio Rodriguez, the number three prospect in baseball on the BA Top 100, followed by Jared Kelnick, the number four prospect on the BA Top five, top 100. Oh, and Spencer Torkelson, who's number five. We have four of the top five prospects <laughs> in the game, plus a whole lot of other guys who are in the Top 100. This is a star-studded futures game, and I definitely encourage 
everyone to tune in, especially with the game in Colorado. There's going to be some balls flying tomorrow. Now, Kelnick is a very interesting uh, case study because very highly ranked prospect traded before he ever got anywhere near the major leagues. Don't usually see that. Goes to Seattle, moves quickly through their system, gets to the big leagues, struggles mightily, and is uh, they realize we probably pushed his kid too fast, gets sent back down. Now he's back in the Futures game. What's his attitude like? Because he made it to the show. Then they decide he wasn't quite ready for the show. Doesn't mean he can't get back to the show. But uh, what was it like talking to him? Yeah, I actually interviewed him about an hour ago. And you know what? He's happy to be here. He understands that he went up, took his lumps, went back to AAA. He's applying some of the things he's learned. And he's excited to be here. It's always fun to be on the field with the best of your peers. And while he definitely wants to get back to the major leagues and will be back in the major leagues, he's got the right attitude about it. He's happy to be here. He's not bitter. He's not sour. He's just enjoying it because these are rare opportunities in life. And you don't really want to let them go to waste. That's good to hear. All right, let's uh, turn our attention to the draft, which for the first time ever in baseball history, they're going to do it in conjunction with the All-Star Weekend. It is usually done previously in the month of June. They push it back to July, and they're grouping all these baseball activities together. Smart move by Major League Baseball to try and grab a hold of the entire sports uh, attention? Or do you think they were better yet when they had it spread out and had more uh, different times that fans would pay strict attention? What do you think about having it during All-Star Week? It was smart to move it to July because one of the issues that was happening was a lot of guys were being drafted while they were literally playing in the College World Series. Guys were finding out they'd been drafted standing in the on-deck circle. So moving it back to July, letting the college season fully end before you have the draft makes a lot more sense. And tying it to All-Star Week isn't the worst idea. However, Major League Baseball made a mistake by putting it on Sunday when you have Major League games being played, the Futures game being played, the All-Star Celebrity Softball game, which people love and tune into being played. They're making the draft compete with three other things that people are more likely to watch. In reality, what they should have done is put the draft on Wednesday, which is the day after the Ulster game, which, as you know, is literally known as the slowest day in sports. <laughs> there is nothing that happens the day after the Major League Baseball All-Star game. That's where they should have started the draft. It would have had all the attention to itself. Instead, Major League Baseball has it competing with three other events that people are more likely to watch. I'll play devil's advocate and argue for the uh, non-removal of it from June. I think I know your answer. Let's see if you match up with me here. Um, if you have the draft in June like they have had forever and the player really wants to become a professional baseball player and comes to agreement pretty quickly, certainly the guys at the top are slotted to begin with anyway, so there isn't all that much negotiation to, to go on. Uh, yes, some will decide high school kids go to college, take the scholarship, but uh, a lot want to get right off and into their major league career. If you do it in June the players can get a half season of minor league baseball in. Now you're into July. Are they really going to report what sports, what seasons are even still going long enough that makes it worthwhile? Are you depriving uh, a percentage of your draftees from getting a half season in as a professional player under their belt? Well, Major League Baseball already did that by eliminating short season leagues from the minor leagues. So they kind of eliminated those teams to begin with and kind of took that opportunity away. That's exactly what I was going to say. Did they even have a league they could put them in? Uh, so it, it may take some of these guys longer to develop uh, going forward. All right, a uh, couple of specifics. Two Vanderbilt pitchers are going to be taken in the first round. 
probably both in the top ten, maybe even both in the top five. How high do you think Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker are going? Yeah, the expectation is both of these guys will be gone, certainly in the top seven or eight picks. Now, the caveat is this is a draft that does not have a clear number one or even really a clear number two, number three. If you ask five different teams to line up the five best players in this draft, you're going to get completely different orders, and some teams will have players in there that other teams don't at all. There's not a lot of consensus at the top in this draft, so anything is possible, even more so than usual in the draft. But generally speaking, these are considered two of the most talented players in this draft, certainly the top six, seven, eight guys, and most expect them to be gone once you get to the 10th pick at the absolute latest. Oh, that's not too shabby for a uh, specific uh, university. You get two guys taken in the top six or seven. I'll tell you where I'm showing a little pride. I'm a South Jersey guy, and I think two South Jersey pitchers are coming off the board in the first round, Anthony Solometto and Chase Petty. How high is high for those two men? Am I overstating the fact that two high school pitchers, which are sometimes tough drafts, are going to be taken in the first round, probably in a about a 25- or 30-mile radius from each other? There's a chance. There's no question. I think more realistically, it's they're probably more the top 40, 50 picks. Maybe one okay. guy goes the back of the first round. One guy goes more supplemental first, early second. But either way, there's no question. The Northeast this year has the strongest class of draft talent it's arguably ever had, high school-wise, college-wise. Um, really, that the Northeastern United States is kind of a hotbed this year, where Southern California is kind of down. They've kind of reversed their roles this year. So, yeah, both those pitchers had a chance to go in the first round. It would not be a shock if they both went in the first round. Uh, just generally speaking, high school pitchers tend to fall a little bit. They're extremely risky. So I think the expectation is it's more maybe one goes first round, one goes supplemental first. But you're still talking about two guys who have a good chance to go in the top 50 picks, which is very impressive. When they both go in the first round, say, yeah, Jody Mack was right. He told me (laughs) he's a bit of a homer, but uh, he did get it right. All right. uh, It's possible. Comparing the uh, two ways that you take the players, uh, majority of the ways they are uh, junior college players and like, but high school uh, graduates and college players after uh, either their junior or senior year. Is it a better high school draft or better college draft? Is it a balanced draft? Is there uh, a group maybe positionally that stands out more than the other? What, what sticks out as far as this draft goes when you're compiling your top list? Yeah, high school shortstop and college pitchers, specifically college right-handed pitchers. Those are the two demographics that are very, very well represented in this draft. There's a very real chance we'll have four high school shortstops taken in the top ten. There's a very real chance we'll have five, six, maybe maybe even more college right-handers taken in the first round, led by Leiter and Rocker. Those are the two demographics that are the strongest in this year's draft. All right, uh, those high school shortstops. To, this is 2021, so let's go to uh, 2029. Within the na- next eight years, how many of them are still playing shortstop? Yeah, I mean, all these guys are very, very athletic. Um, you know, a lot of it can depend on how their bodies grow. You're talking about 18-year-olds who have a lot of physical growth yet left. Realistically, if you have four high school shortstops, maybe two of them stay at in the major leagues. But you know what? All these guys are talented. They're all athletic. It's not out of the question that these guys all stick there. Just the numbers game and the odds, what history tells us, it's probably two of the four. 
All right. I'm interested that you said it's uh, it's pretty balanced between high school players and college players. I would have thought it'd be a little bit more heavy toward the college players because there were a whole bunch of players that, while they may have had a chance or uh, in, certainly in other years they would have been drafted, that didn't get drafted last year because they so drastically cut the draft to five rounds. There were players that might have been already become professionals, had to go back to school for whatever reason in whatever year they were in to go back. So I thought the college draft would be deeper than it usually usually is. That's not the case here? I mean, it is relatively deep. But one thing that you have to keep in mind is a lot of these college players, normally they would have had a summer in the Cape Cod League. Normally they would have played for Team USA. Major League teams love the data they get on these college players from Cape Cod, from Team USA, from the summers, and they don't have that data because there was no summer baseball last year. So this is a year where teams have less security in their convictions about college players more than ever before. And as crazy as it is, all the high school showcases went off last summer. They still had the area code games. They moved them, but they had them. They still had a lot of showcases. So Teams actually, in some cases, have a little more conviction than some of the high school guys than they do the college guys. That's normally the opposite. Well, it comes down to how much you trust your scouts and their eyeballs. We're talking to Kyle Glazer from Baseball America here with us on CBS Sports Radio. All right, uh, let's move on to the other reason that you were out in Denver this week. That's all the all-star facilities. Uh, have you gotten your all-star roster, and how ma- badly have you had to mark it up? Because we've got a whole bunch of replacements for the game on Tuesday night. Yeah, yeah, I got the email in my inbox this morning from MLB seeing 10 guys, one of whom, Yadier Molina, has already said he's not going to participate. I mean, we do see this every single year. There's always a lot of guys who bow out due to injuries, especially with the Sunday starter rule. Guys who start Sundays don't pitch in the All-Star game. So it's not abnormal to see a large-scale group of replacements put in place. At the same time, though, I mean, the guys who were selected in the first place are the best. You know, we all want to see Jacob DeGrom play and Mookie Betts play. Um, the fact that they're not going to participate is certainly disappointing and, you know, ultimately ultimately makes for a less exciting all-star game. But at the same time, you still have Shohei Otani. You still have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. There's still a lot of tremendous talent in the game. Uh, but there's no question you certainly would prefer to see guys like DeGrom and Betts than some of the replacements. All right, maybe I'm being a little cynical here, but uh, sorry about that. I'm going to put it out there anyway. Um, four Astros were selected to the All-Star game, and I know uh, at least one of them is very legitimately hurt. Uh, the others have other explanations why they're not playing, but all four decided to take a pass, and the first thing that came to my mind was, yes, this is a national showcase, and the Astros haven't been on the national showcase all that much since they all got caught cheating um you don't really think that had anything to do with all the decisions not to play any all-star game do you well ryan presley's on paternity leave and as someone who just had a, a baby or my wife just had a baby i should say i understand wanting to be there for potentially uh your child over the sure. all-star game so i think that one's legitimate but yeah no it definitely raised some eyebrows I, I i don't know how much of it is wanting to avoid the spotlight as much as kind of taking time to nurse some some very minor injuries they normally would otherwise play through. A lot of players do that, and I don't think it's very fair to the fans who want to come see the best players the game has to offer. Um, so I think the criticism is more in that, that I'm of the opinion if you can play a regular season game, you should be able to play an all-star game just because as much as it's an exhibition, this is a place for baseball to showcase its best and brightest talents. The fans pay a lot of money. These all-star tickets are not cheap. Hotels restaurants are not cheap in the cities and i do think the players owe it to the fans to come out and at least show up 
speaking of uh, it being a showcase, I was pretty critical when the info came down last week that both of the juniors, um, Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Fernando Tatis Jr., two of the more exciting young players in baseball, decided to pass on the home run derby. If only for their own brand, I think it would be a good idea to participate. Uh, they both decided to say, thank you, no. Uh, did they do an injustice to baseball? Aren't they supposed to be here to represent for the game? And the all-star game is one thing, but the home run derby is another. Uh, if you can participate in both, I would think you would want to do that for yourself and for the game. Uh, I didn't like it. How about you? Tatis, I understand because he's had repeated shoulder issues throughout the season and just taking that many swings over and over and over again. There is a risk of aggravation there. So I'm okay with him passing on the home run derby, but still participating in the all-star game where he was going to get two or three at-bats, not the same level of strain on that shoulder. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., yeah, he should participate. He's one of the best and brightest young stars in the sport. He's healthy by all accounts. He put on a show in 2019. Uh, There's definitely a case we made that yeah he should participate just because again if you're elected or asked to do it and you're one of the most prolific home run hitters in major league baseball you know i I do believe they owe it to the fans to come out and perform and and just play all right let's uh turn it back to the big leagues the second half of the season everybody's going to finish up tomorrow take the downtime we'll have the all-star game then they come back and try and sprint to the finish line We've still got a couple, a solid two-plus weeks left before the trade deadline, uh, which gives you about 10 to 12 games to analyze your team, see, see where you're at. Checking the standings, checking the teams that are in the positions that they're in. If there's not any massive changes, a team winning uh, 10 or 11 out of 12 or losing 10 or 11 out of 12, how busy will the trade deadline be? Uh, do we have a lot of uh, sellers and buyers, or is this going to turn out to be too many teams waiting to see the last minute and then not being able to work something out. It'll be a busy trade deadline. There's enough teams that are looking to arm up and load up for a postseason run. You look at the three teams atop the NL West, you've got, you know, a lot of teams still in the race in the NL East. You know, the AL East, the Yankees and Blue Jays are the third and fourth place teams. I don't necessarily see them punting on the season. The Blue Jays, for sure, they've already been adding. They want to continue adding. So, you're going to have enough teams trying to get to the postseason and really potentially arm up a little bit for when they do get to the postseason. I think we'll see a busy trade deadline. Even if things come down to the wire a little bit, uh, we will see some big trades and some big names move, just as we do every year. Your lips to God's ears. Keep it uh, exciting and interesting for all us fans. All right, last thing. As a writer, you will certainly have an opinion on this. What has been the best story or narrative in the first half of the Major League Baseball season? Will it continue? Will it change? Will it fall apart? What's the best story, and how does it play out from here? Easy. Shohei Otani. We are witnessing something that we have never witnessed before in terms of this sheer amount of talent, the two-way exploits. I mean, Major League Baseball has not seen this in its history. Not Babe Ruth. No one has done what Shohei Otani has done in this game's long history. It is truly remarkable, game in and game out, what he's doing. He is the best story in baseball. Right now, he's been the best player in baseball. And the big question is, you know, does it continue? We all have to hope so. Obviously, he has a pretty long injury track record, and there's a lot of physical strain put on the body, pitching and hitting. He's held up well so far, and we just have to hope it continues because if it does, I mean, we're talking about a guy who is, 
very much in range of clearing 50-plus home runs while, oh, by the way, having an ERA around three, taking the ball fairly regularly. We have never seen this before. It is truly remarkable, and no one should take it for granted. And I think Tuesday night will be the show, hey, show. Uh, so well, since you're there, enjoy it. Kyle, we enjoyed talking to you. Appreciate it much. Uh, we'll get you back on again down the road. Thanks for tonight. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Kyle Glazer, Baseball America National Columnist here with us on CBS Sports Radio. All right, coming back, we'll talk uh, plenty of baseball. We'll get some uh, continued baseball conversation in. The NBA keeps rolling. Uh, get on my telephone lines, 855-212-4227. Saturday night, get together with the Mac Man here on CBS Sports Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. 